Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. I'm your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Michelle A. Berard LLC and Urban Book Editor. And I'm super happy to share this hour with you, where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. Now, I know things have been challenging, and I hope you guys are doing okay with all of the COVID and the protests and everything else that's been going on. And I hope that we can find some way to come to terms with everything that's going on. I mean, frankly, you guys know I don't get political on this show very much, but I am concerned about where things are going when we have police snatching people up off the street. But we have a lot to be grateful for and appreciative for. And you guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel. And though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guest on the July 10th show, Dr. Nicole B. Simpson. You can connect with Dr. Simpson on social media. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the July 10th show, at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common Movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is an important message, and I really hope you guys will share it with the kids, but it's not just for kids. Sometimes we adults need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common Movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. And I am super excited to introduce this week's guest. Latara Robertson was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where she was reared by her beloved grandmother who passed away three weeks before Latara's 13th birthday. Latara is a former model with Casablanca Model Management Talent Agency and is the mother of one son, Ramond, who is her inspiration. Robertson first discovered her passion for writing books in elementary school. She spent lots of time with her favorite uncle, Billy Jean Marshall, who is currently serving time in prison for crimes he did not commit. He encouraged her to pursue her dream of becoming an author. Due to her initial fear of publishing her work, Latara wrote books but would not share them except on social media. She decided to write her first book, The Pain Within, while studying criminal justice and journalism in college. Last year, Robertson overcame her fear of publishing. She is now self-publishing her books under two brands that she's developed, Showstoppers Presents and Mega Millions Introduces as Queen LL. Latara Robertson now resides in Colorado with her son. She spends her time fighting for her uncle's freedom, and she is also co-writing her upcoming TV show, Backstabbers. So I'd like to welcome Latera Robertson to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Latera, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Latera, 
you may or may not know this already, but I start my interviews with two questions. And that's because I think they really do help people to kind of get into what your journey has been. And so if you're all ready, I will go ahead and ask you those two questions. Sure. Okay, so Latera Robertson, who are you and how did you become who you are today? I always loved writing. I started writing when I was in elementary school. Um, a lot of my English teachers always thought I was going to be this famous author. And I've always had a fear of publishing. So after pretty much kind of stepping back and not wanting to write anymore, then I decided that it was time. Um, I went to college and a lot of my college professors loved my stories and they was hoping that I would publish them. Um, they always taught, they always told me that it was a God's gift and that I should publish them. And so I decided to start publishing. And then once I um, started getting into it more deeper, then I started promoting my stories on social media. And a friend of mine, Eric Frazier, sir, thought I was a real good writer and a real good author and that I should um, promote more of my books and more of my writings. He would design book covers. I would use his book covers that he designed to promote as well as um, my writing. And that's how I became who I am. Well, that's how you became who you are as a writer, which is fascinating. But I'm also curious about Latera, the woman. So tell me about um, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. Um, I've never been to Oklahoma. So what was that like? <laughs> it was it was fun. Um, that's my hometown. Um, lots of casinos there. Um, <laughs> so lots of restaurants there. Um, it was it was it was pretty fascinating to me. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, that's where my background started as a writer. It started at, uh, from a writer to a mother to a former model to who I am today. So it seemed that you had a lot of encouragement uh, in school and also yes. from family members to write, which is unusual. A lot of people are discouraged from writing. So how did right. your family support you in your desire to write? <laughs> My Uncle Billy started it first. Um, he, you, him and I was going to collaborate writing a book together called A Player's Dreams Come True. I've always love books. Um, my grandmother always told me, you just can't keep your nose out of a book, can you? And I was like, no, I really can't. And she would read them. Um, I grew up reading Mary Higgins Clark, Terry McMillan, um, Carl Weber, Mary B. Uh, Morrison, 
just to name a few of my favorites um, that I would love um, to read. And I got so fascinating of their work. And I've always had a million stories to tell. Um, my English teachers would have me to read my stories out loud. It was one that I did read um, that my teachers still use to this day, which is called The Lonesome Girl. And I wrote that short story because when my uncle got tragically killed on his birthday, I decided to write my first short story based off my tragic experience. And they still use my story until to this day. <laughs> wow. So that was in elementary school that you wrote that? That was, that was in sixth grade when I went to Thomas Edison Middle School. My English teacher, Miss. Eileen Davis had read it and it made her cry. And my English teacher, Miss McNamara, had read it and it made her cry. And um, they still have copies of my story and they still read them. <laughs> wow. So that's amazing. So you almost, you already were famous at your school. Yes. <laughs> So I'm curious because um, you and I have talked offline and mm-hmm. you mentioned that you operate under more than one pen name. What was that yes, decision about? Why Why did you decide to do that? And so um, I decided to do a partnership with a great friend of mine, um, Tice. Uh, Mackins. Um, she has her own book company called um, Tice Presents or TM Presents. And her and I had started talking and she loved my writing and my books. Um, I decided to do a partnership contract with her and I decided to write under a different pen name underneath her company, which is Rich LT. And I do have my first uh, release that's coming in March um, called My uh, what, uh, Wifey Won't Do, My Side Chick Will. And that's coming out this, uh, coming out in March. And so hopefully everyone will enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed writing it. So what kinds of things will the side chick do that the wifey won't do? Give us an example. It's um, a spinoff of the um, the pain within, and um, what it's about is that Tiana, at the age of thirteen, uh, age of 13 has always had a fascination with older men, mm-hmm. and she tries to keep her dating life a secret. Um, the only person that knew about her personal life outside of school life was as her was a formal best friend that she trusted. So as Tiana grew, um got older, she became more closer to her uh, favorite uncle, uh, which is Kingston. And after going through a tragic time when her grandmother died, uh Lily May, she just felt alone. So she just kind of started to rebel. Um, so years later, she became a parent. 
um, her favorite uncle get released from prison and her favorite cousin gets married and then she knows that her husband is having another affair with a former friend of hers, but she just doesn't have the proof. So he's trying so hard to keep this secret because he doesn't want his wife to find out that he once again had cheated. Mm. Okay. So how much of these stories that you tell are ripped from the pages of your own life? What percentage would you say? I would say 80% of it. 80%? Wow, that's a lot. Yes. And what is your favorite, what is your favorite story? Which one is closest to some, you know, some situation that you actually encountered in your life? The pain within, because Tiana reminds me so much of myself. Um, She's done, has dealt with so much tragedy on her own with no help. Um, I lost my grandmother at 13. Uh, She's been gone now for the last 23 years. She was her best friend. She was raised by her. No father in the picture until she became an adult, um, somewhat as an adult. Um, she has older siblings, but they didn't make much time for her. The only person that actually made time for her and made her feel like she was special was her favorite uncle, Kingston. Mm-hmm. And um, he's always been there for her. He took on the role not only just being an uncle, but being a best friend, being the father that she never had. They became so overprotected of each other because he went through more tragedies than she had. Mm-hmm. And so those two books are the closest to me. So why did you decide to go out on your own for publishing? I mean, you were with a publisher initially, yes? <laughs> yes, um, because I wanted to express myself more, and I really hate deadlines. <laughs> and so I want to make sure that people understand me as a person. And I want them to be able to relate to everything that I say and that I'm totally different from other authors. I want to give some, I want to give them something new and fresh, not just as who I am, but also to be able to look at me as someone that's like, she overbecame all of this. I couldn't walk a day in her shoes to survive this. I don't label myself as a victim. I've always labeled myself as a survivor. So when I take chapters from my life and I put them into my books, that's how I want people to view me as, as a serious writer, as a serious author, and as someone that can relate to how they feel. Because I've been on that side of the tracks. Yeah. 
Well, and so now you've got not just one publishing company, but two, right? What are it's those? three. It's a, oh. uh, it's three. Showstoppers presents and Mega Million introduces are my two brands. Um, TM presents or types presents is who I am writing under under Richelle T. Um, because a lot of people know me as Queen LL, and so I want people to get to know me as Richelle T. That's who I want people to get to know me as. I'm same. I'm the same person. I still write the same way I've always have written from the heart and how I express myself and the advice and the opinions that I give. And so this is why I'm writing under two different um, pen names and to give um, people new flavor and for them to view me as Am I worth their money and their time as much as I spent my money and time writing these books? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the writing process. How long does it take you typically to write a book? Um, during my weekends off, um, it usually would take me about, I would say, two to three weeks. Um depending on how much I can get done during that day. If my 14-year-old doesn't have any plans um, for us to do, then I can sit down and I can uh, pretty much can write a book within two to three weeks' time. Um, sometimes it, it might take me a little longer because I try. I need to learn to stop trying to write multiple books at one time. That's That's my biggest problem. You know, I start on one book, then I get this fresh idea for another one, and then I just keep writing. And because I want to be able to finish multiple of books at a certain length of time, so all I have to do is just send them off to the editor, let the editor handle their business, and then while they're working on one end, I'm working on another one. Because I've already flooded out uh, Ty's flood, uh, timeline. I already flooded hers her out with six books already. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, I do promote myself as Queen LL and I also promote myself as Rich LT. So a lot of people ask me like, okay, do you have a, a identical twin? Do y'all write the same? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm one person. And so, but I would love for you to get to know me under two different pen names because this is who I am. So I'm taking everything that I'm learning from her company to invest into myself as a serious author and writer, and as well that I can invest into my own two brands. Okay. Okay. So tell me what kinds of things have you learned through your partnerships with others? In the publishing. Patience. <laughs> I learned how to be patient, mm-hmm. book sales, and audience. So what do you, what do you need, what'd you learn about audience? Tell me, if you were to talk with a, a new author or an aspiring uh, publisher right now, what would you say to them about audience? How do you keep them with and draw into you? How do you 
that keep being their number one favorites and being their best seller of all time? How how do you do that without feeling overwhelmed and stressed? So what would be one tip that you would give them to do that? Oh, I would just say be true to who you are right from the heart. Um, take the criticism, whether it's good or bad, and just keep going. Okay. And then patience, what what requires patience? Is it the writing? Well, obviously, it's not your writing process because it sounds like you're banging them out, right? You're able to right. kind of focus really hard and get that done. But what do you mean by patience? It's because you don't want to be a bully. Because then people going to look at you like, man, she begging. <laughs> you don't want that. And so what you do want is to make sure that you're putting your focus on your writing. And you want to put a lot of flavor and spices into your book. And because you want to give your audience their money's worth. And I want to give them their money's worth plus extra. Got it. Got it. And then book sales. What is the lesson that you got about one, just one particular lesson about book sales? It is hard trying to sell books in, in this industry. It's, it's hard. I thought it was going to be easy and it's not. Um, and I understand what a lot of authors go through. Um, to try to get a person to buy a copy, to leave a review, to comment, to spend their money. It is hard. You know, I just thought, you know, you publish a book, people see something brand new, a new artist, you're going to sell millions of them. And it does not work that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I am learning to be patient. I am learning to focus on my writing and then once I fo focus on my writing and I got the whole book complete ready to go out to be published to the world then um, people will come to me on their own people will give me a chance on their own so I don't want to force myself onto anybody I just want them to naturally like hey I really like your books and buy a copy or two and enjoy it. Well, but you also have a background in promotion. So what kinds of things mm -hmm. were you doing? And I, I recall you mentioning that you had a fear of publishing, but I mm -hmm. think when we talked before, you said that you started sharing some of your work on social media. How did you come to mm -hmm. the decision to do that? I started promoting. Um, publishing work from a, for a publishing company. Um, as I met my uh, good friend, Eric Fraser Sher, and um, he had came across a couple of stories that I had written, and he was like, why don't you publish? Because honestly, you got what it takes to be an author. Um, even my uh, pub, the publishing company that I was promoting for had read them and had offered me a contract, but I just wasn't ready. I didn't feel comfortable to step out from the dark and into the light to let 
people see what what God talent had gave me, and I've always mm-hmm. been that way. I've I've been so good at so many things, and but when it was time for me to actually step out solo and not hide behind other people in the background, I just had that fear because I felt like I wasn't good enough. And everyone kept telling me, this is good. This is, You really need to uh, put your work out there. Um, Eric designed a few book covers. I posted the Simnastics along with the cover, and I put it out there along with a couple of chapters. A lot of people from social media had started inboxing me and um, commenting on my books and thought the book was published already and want to know when is it going to get published can you tag me in it when it comes out um which um i got a lot of great reviews um the one time i did get over my fear of publishing i was with another publishing company i wrote my first uh, short uh, story called my ex-best friend wants to steal my man and i got a five-star review um i'm no longer with that company um but a lot of people still promote that book and I have to remind them I'm not with that company anymore. Um, so um, now that I know that people really want that book, I'm going to have to re- re-release it underneath my brand and go back and have it um, put back out there for people to enjoy. So I have a lot of projects that I'm working on. So I'm trying to finish projects that I did write years ago versus the ones that I am working on now. Got it. Got it. So um, you started promoting on social media. You had Mm -hmm. these book covers that um, your friend designed for you. And basically it sounds like you were promoting before the books were finished. Am I hearing you correctly? Yes. And that's actually, I advise authors when I, when they come to me for editing and we're talking about their whole process, One of the things that I tell them is that the promotion and the writing and editing can all go simultaneously, you know, those should be parallel efforts. Um, So you Mm -hmm. can build up your audience, right? Right. What, what other tips might you give to, uh, you know, an aspiring author about promoting themselves on social media? Right from the heart, be true to yourself and do research. Uh, with whatever your topic might be for your book, always do research and make it your own. And always trying to understand another person's feelings and what they've gone through and been through. Even if it's your own tragedy, put it in your book. Make people really believe this really did happen. I can't believe this happened. If, you want to give it your you want to give it your all you want to really want to put your self effort into it before you just send it out into the world well tell me of the stories and books that you've written i written one called um an ending to a painful marriage which is based off my marriage now that i'm divorced and I'm basing it off of that. Um, the Pain Within uh, is mostly based off my life. Um, 
as well, tragedy between two sisters. Um, it's also based off of my life and also a friend of mine life as well. Um, my ex best friend really did happen to me. (laughs) It really did happen to me. So everything that, so when I wrote that book, it was, it was true. Everything I put in that was true. It was based off, um, what happened with us. That's why we're no longer best friends. Um, and so those are some of the few that are very personal and close to me. Well, and I have to ask, because um, you are, you have a background in criminal justice and journalism, mm-hmm. and you are, I understand, fighting for your uncle's freedom. He's serving yeah. time for crimes he did not commit. Right. So what does that right. look like? What does that, what does, so you're studying the law, you're, su- what are you doing there? And so um, I'm studying to be a criminal psychologist. Um, I am studying the law. Um, I also want to work side by side with a lawyer to help me um, get my uncle, my favorite uncle, Billy Jean's Marshall Freedom back. Because my uncle is not a killer. He's not a murderer. And I do believe the state of Oklahoma used my uncle's past um, history to win a conviction. Um, That's why me and my family don't really too much touch bases um, as well. Because I do believe my uncle is innocent. I don't believe that he will harm anyone. And I do feel bad for Mr. Garrison, and my heart does still goes out to his family. He was the victim. Um, but my uncle does not deserve to be put in jail for someone else's crime. I also feel bad for Ms. Diana Washington. She was also attacked. And it was just so many lives and so many chaos that happened in that courtroom. No one questioned me about my uncle's whereabouts, the DNA proves that he, he's innocent. He did not commit those crimes. That's someone else's DNA. But because of his brother, my oldest sister, his ex-girlfriend, all testified against him what got him put away. False mm-hmm. evidence what got him put away because you based in his burglary crime on what he did 30 years ago. My uncle was a kid. He was 17 years old, trying to be the man of the house, trying to help my grandmother raise his other siblings, and then they all turned their backs on him. I'm the only family who has not turned her back on him, and I'm not going to turn my back on him. I've been reaching out to TV shows to try to get his story aired. I've been, as you say, play detective with his cases. I've been trying so hard. I have not seen my uncle in the last 15 years. The two and a half years he was free, I didn't get the chance to spend any time with him because everyone else 
was always asking him for favors and he would do it. He's he's a kind, gentle person. He wouldn't harm anyone. He would give his last if that's what it takes. Um so trying to rekindle my relationship with him, it's been hard and rough because I'm in Colorado. He's still in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um I've been really trying to get him extradited. I reached out to organizations. I have reached out to just about every contact that he has given me. I have written letters to public defenders, lawyers, um, to try to help me get his case overturned and get him back into the courtroom. Mm -hmm. There's no way Michael committed these crimes at all. this is why I want to get him free and move him out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I do love my hometown. I would never say anything bad about my hometown, but I will say that until you honestly get the facts right and the proof is right there, you don't judge anyone based on their past, period. And that's what the state of Oklahoma did. They took his past when he was 17 and then used it to win a conviction. And I was not thrilled about it. Wow. Well, and that's actually one of the challenges with the criminal justice system in general is that it seems, at least from my observation, the things that I've learned in recent years, that that is the norm. That's not unusual. Right. Yeah. And I have learned a lot about that as well. And um, you know, him and I been corresponding. He sent me a lot of his legal paperwork and I was like, Wow, okay. And I'm like, the DNA evidence proves you are innocent. Why are you still there? Um, I have reached out to Tulsa World's newspaper to try to get his story in the paper and it has not and he has appealed once or twice before and it got denied. So I've been saving as much as I can to try to get his case overturned and to look at. I'm trying hard to reach out to the Supreme Court justice. If I could take it to that level, then that's what I would do. But I would not give up until I have my uncle back. And I believe this is what my grandmother would wanted me to do, was to be there for him. And I'm going to be there for him. Is that part of how you became interested in criminal justice and, and, and helping in that area? I became interested in law when I was 17 years old. Um, I've always had a fascination with why people commit the crimes that they commit. And then I have to look at it. It had to be a reason. Nobody was not born to be a criminal. It had they mm-hmm. it's a reason behind it. Um, my uncle always told me I'm just naturally nosy. Well, I am that too. <laughs> and it's so I just really felt the need to really just get out and to really just do more. So I became interested in in law. Um, I was once a nurse. But I was never fascinated with medical. I've always been fascinated with criminals. And I've always wanted to know how did it get to this point? How, because a lot of them are in there that are actually innocent. 
and I watched a movie that was based on a true story, The Wrongfully Convicted. And I'm like, that's like my uncle. He's been wrongfully convicted of something he did not do. And it took this guy 20 years to get his freedom before anyone would listen to him. And so now he's an activist for men who have been wrongfully convicted. And I just want to go back and I just want to really study more closely about the law. How can you do this and even help change some of the laws that they have? Because it's ridiculous. Well, and it certainly does not live up to what's supposed to be a fair and equitable system if basically you can get convicted without proper evidence. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's just, so that's what I'm doing. And I'm, I pray every day that someone will hear my story, that will hear my uncle's story. And like, let's try, let's get him free. He does not deserve to be in there. And that's what I hope for every day. That's what I pray for every day. That's what I work hard on every single day is to get my uncle out of prison. Well, are some of those things also in your book about, you know? Yes. If you read um, The uh, Pain Within, then you will see exactly what my uncle went through um, while he was in there. Um, And the little bit of time that he was free and the little time we got the chance to spend before these heinous crimes came about and then he got sent back to prison. Um, So um, that's basically what I'm doing now. Well, and I would imagine that you're studying the law and, um, you know, criminal psychology and stuff like that would Mm -hmm. inform your writing because it sounded like um, you really liked writing, you know, suspense type things and, Mm -hmm. and, and those kinds of, those kinds of books. How does that factor into your writing in general? It, it, writing calms me down. It keeps the stress away. It gives me a chance to be someone different than who I am. Um, my uncle Billy loves writing. Um, him and I was going to collaborate and write a book together, A Player's Dreams Come True. Um, even my friend, uh, Eric Frazier, him and I um, had started writing a TV show um, called Backstabbers. And we've been trying to get that TV show on air forever. <laughs> and so, um, I, so I can do more than just write books. I can write TV shows too. But I was, but I'm trying to get my uncle to do some acting with me, and he just won't do it. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, but he just, but I'm his favorite, so he doesn't have a choice. But um, hopefully, one day him and I will get to reunite. And um, I'll take a trip home and I'll get the chance to uh, visit with him and spend time with him Um, because he's a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. Um, I do call the prison to check on him and and 
um, to make sure that he's okay um, because where he's at now, he's been getting treated so unfairly and it's not right. Um, sometimes they will starve him. Sometimes um, he get put in confinement for no reason at all. Sometimes the security guards want to pick fights with him for no reason. And, you know, I do worry about him while he's in there. Um, because I don't want to get a phone call stating that he's been killed. Right. And I don't know who to blame. And so, so I will do whatever I have to to get him out of that horrible place because he does not deserve to be there. Well, and you know, before the issues with Parchman Prison came to light in the news recently, a lot of people mm -hmm. probably wouldn't even believe what you're saying about them starving him and putting him in solitary confinement for no reason and all that. But hopefully now that people have seen with their own eyes the conditions in a lot of the prisons, or at least in Parchment, mm -hmm. and they really should understand that is not uncommon across the country. Um, no. Hopefully no, people will actually believe you when you say that, because I think they sometimes want to say, oh, no, that can't possibly be true in America. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, stuff. and I have spoken to um, several of his case managers, um, and he does call me and write me letters to let me know exactly what is going on. Um and who to contact and who to talk to. And I've have had several conversations with them. And I know they get tired of me calling because I will call two or three times a week. I want to know what's going on with my uncle. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes um, he can't even use the phone to call me. And I will have to call them back. And like, when are you guys going to turn the phone back on? Because I need to, I need to talk to him. Right. And um, it's like, oh, we'll let him call you um, when phones are free. And then it comes with a different excuse why they couldn't. And I was like, okay, I've, I've had enough. And I just have to just wait on a letter. And if I keep getting letters from him, then I know he's alive and he's okay. But even to me, that's not enough because I've had filed visiting forms for me to go visit him. And then they gets denied. I went and talked to the warden and I have left messages with the warden and I have not gotten anything back. And I'm like, this is my family that I am fighting for. And God, I hope Kim Kardashian is listening to this because she <laughs> might be the answer to my prayers. <laughs> she might be. Goodness knows. She can help a lot of people. She really can. She has a huge yes. And so, yes, it's like, but you know, I tell people, if you don't believe my story, then go to him. He will be glad to do a TV interview to tell his story, whatever we have to do to get him free. And that's exactly what we will do. Um, I, I couldn't even re read the letter because the way how he's been treated and then he's supposed to been getting transferred. Why they refuse to transfer him, I have no idea. But the guard who did insulted him got transferred to another facility. And everything is on camera, but they don't want to show that part where the guard had did it first and where they cuffed him so tight that where he started to bleed. And oh, wow. it just I I I just felt like crying. And 
when he did call me, I tried not to cry about that. And I tried not to think about that because my uncle is 63 years old. Oh, my. And yeah, and he does not deserve, he will not die in there. I refuse to allow him to sit there and to die in there. He's not going to do that. I won't allow him to do that. Um, you know, so I'm like, are you getting enough to eat? And he's like, oh, I'm fine. And I was like, no, you're not fine. You're not. And um, I recently went on Oklahoma inmate search, and Michael lost so much weight. And I'm like, why are you losing so much weight? Why aren't you not eating anything? And I'm like, please don't go into a depression and then try to starve yourself to death because that's not what's going to happen. It's like sometimes they'll feed me, sometimes they won't. And I was like, wow. And and so I, I love my hometown, but at the same time, I feel like saying shame on them. Because this is how you treat an individual. No matter what their crimes are or what they may have done, they don't deserve that. Well, and I think that's one of the issues is that people really forget that it's human beings who are in prison, not animals. And, you know, in the United States, we've gotten to a point where we treat our dogs better than we treat human beings. I just, Mm -hmm. I, I do not understand it. I will not pretend to understand it. But um, we're coming to the to the end of our time together. But I really wanted to get from you. How can people connect with you? Where can they find your books? You know, how can they get with you on social media, for example? They can email me, Latera Mayberry at gmail.com. They can find me on Facebook under Latera Trotter. They can find me under there. They can inbox me. My books is going is. On Amazon, um, once again, I have one coming out under Rich LT, um, What Wifey Won't Do, My Side Chick Will. That'll be coming out in March. Um, I'm working on a couple of new uh, projects under Queen LL, uh, which should be dropping a little bit, a couple of weeks after um, I release um uh, my wife, uh, what, what what my wifey won't do, my side chick will. Um, so I'm trying to write as many books as I can and to get them um, published as fast and as soon as I can. So right now I'm writing six books at one time. Wow. <laughs> and so, so I'm trying to get as many of them out there on the market as I possibly can. Awesome. Awesome. So guys, you got that. You can email her. You can, uh, what's the email address? Can you spell that out for us, please? Yes. Latera, L-A-T-A-R-A, Mayberry, M-A-Y-B-E-R-R-Y, just like the Andy Griffin show Mm -hmm. at gmail.com. Perfect. And on social media, they can find you where? Under Latera Trotter. L-A-T-A-R-A-T-R-O-T-T-E-R. And that's going to be on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter? Facebook. My Facebook name is Latera Charter. My Instagram name is Latera Denise Mayberry. So they can find me there. Awesome. Latera, thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some show topics you'd like us to cover. Be sure to tune in for the show on August 7th when my guest will be spiritual photographer and author, Kaolin Kay. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.